Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, this is the China Sports Insider Podcast. My name is Haig Valian, and I am with... Mark Dreyer, he is the China Sports Insider, and we are both back in Beijing. Reunited. For the first time in six months. And we have a guest this week live in studio. I can't, I can barely believe it. Mark, how are you doing? It's great to see you again. We kind of did a bit of a double take at your door um, just a moment ago when I was like, I feel like I've talked to you every week because we do. But yeah. it's like actually <laughs> seeing you in the flesh. Uh, is it real? Yes, it is. What's, uh, what is there, have I changed at all? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid answering with respect to your beard. You oh. know, we we kind of did that, I think, of the Olympics. But no, <laughs> looking, gra- looking great. Uh, Haig is, is looking great for our listeners here. We're not live streaming this one, but uh, he is looking... Pro- probably just a few more gray hairs on my part. You, 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 maybe maybe you, one or two, one or you, two. How, how is it possible that you have none? It's amazing. <laughs> well, it's incredible. I have just less hair overall. Yeah, anyway. yeah I didn't know that. Well, well Mark... I'm excited because we we have a guest today, and and he's coming up really really soon. Who 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 are we talking to today? So Feng Tao is one of the co-founders of Shanghai Sports, which was a sort of a Swiss uh, uh, Chinese uh, JV, really, in terms of the the, the founding partners, uh, sports marketing company, and they've been involved in some of the biggest sports sponsorship deals for Chinese companies when it comes to international sporting events like the World Cup. And uh, and the Olympics, and you know, Feng Tao is—he's just a great guy, extremely knowledgeable, with decades of experience on the sports industry. So we'll be talking to him about about football, about the Olympics, and and just about the sports industry here in general. Uh, let's let's talk about a couple of topics that we were looking at. Uh, you know, looking at your Twitter stream, as I you know do all the all the time, really. And you sh- thank you, yeah, thank you. Totally yeah, should. someone has to. You you had <laughs> you were you you mentioned or you talked about marathons that are coming up here in China um, that I guess have been canceled and one that has not been canceled just yet. So I kind of had a bit of a personal connection here. I was uh, I got out of, uh, of quarantine. I actually tried to get into the Beijing Marathon, which is supposed to be coming up this this coming weekend, right. but I didn't have a, an official registered time for a marathon or a half marathon within the last three years. So I wasn't able to, to, to get into that, but I, I was signed up for the for the uh, the Great Wall Half Marathon, and then that got postponed, I think, for about the third time until the end of November. That was going to be actually just this past weekend. And over the weekend, I noticed there were about nine or so, I'm in some of these, you know, uh, running enthusiast groups where 
where people are just training for, for races all over the country and triathlons and so on. Um, and someone had posted there were nine races that were cancelled one week out, uh, which I thought was pretty significant because this coming weekend is supposed to be the Beijing Marathon. And I just thought... Cases are rising here in the capital. Um, all over the country, people are kind of on edge, you know, up to 3,000 cases, which, which nationally is, is, is a very high number for China. Uh, as of this moment, it's still on. Um, but I would put it, I put it sort of 50-50. I'd say maybe I'm going to even go 40-60 in terms of uh, not the race not happening. Just, just because I don't see Beijing authorities willing to take the risk because you know as always and we've talked about this you know politics always comes first just a little bit of context mark like what place does this race hold in say internationally in in the past like did, did, did runners ever come here well pre-pandemic you would have you would have some elite runners coming to to the top marathons in china this would be a big one this would be pretty significant you know it's the capital's main race and it starts uh, near tiananmen square and then ends up near the uh, the olympic park i mean it's a it's a big race and it's fairly prestigious on the Beijing sporting calendar, but I'm just not sure that it's that prestigious enough for it to go ahead at all costs. I really hope that it that it does, um, and it'll be just interesting in terms of an indication as to whether it does or not. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was kind of interesting that almost the moment where they said, "Right, uh, we've we've here are the lottery winners for the for the entrance." It's all come together very quickly. The uh, entrance uh, applications was only opened a few weeks ago, and it's supposed to be coming in just a few days. Um, but that speaks to another thing, you know, how long does it take for your average amateur runner to train for a marathon? Well, you need a, <laughs> you need a little bit more yeah. than a few weeks. And more so few weeks, yeah. what people have been doing here, and I have a lot of friends who are doing this, um, they're basically just constantly training and entering as many races as they can, expecting most of them to be canceled. And then if anyone does come off, then then they're like, hey, this is a bonus. And so if you just re- reset your expectations to, I will always get a refund for these things. You know, I had another friend, she was like, well, I can't do that because I, I have another race that same day, but actually my train's been canceled because they won't let me in and out of Beijing, the direct train between, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, nightmare. Yeah. No, no. Well, okay, and another thing you, met, you mentioned earlier was was that the race, the Great Wall race was postponed yeah. to when? It's hey, so you don't cold. want, you know, when you're running a marathon, particularly when you're clam- climbing up these hills, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want it too hot. Let me, you let don't me want it too you. hot. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But man, End of like, November. So it's just oh, no. about okay. You know, yes. maybe a pair of leggings. Oh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll make it a... I'll make, it. I'll make it a game to game you, you're gonna have to really love you're gonna have to really love running uh which you know it's god it's too much um okay so that's that's the marathon another story that we we're kind of looking at was that china is bidding or might bid for the women's world cup in 2031 people are really optimistic that uh zero covid will be gone by 2031 <laughs> well, well, yeah. 2031 look i mean this has to be a good sign um you know at least people are making longer term plans again we're a long way off from this coming to fruition in terms of the bid and, and of course being accepted right now there's there is sort of that negative perception about China hosting international sporting events so they don't want any um, you know they don't want FIFA making a call on this anytime soon just because we've had the you know the Asian Cup from from next summer already already pulled away from China so people don't have that positivity about you know China hosting these things that they used to but look 2031 <laughs> You'd have to think that the nine years from now, <laughs> the sports industry at least kind of has 
has settled in, into some kind of new normal, whether it's a return to normality or, or what have you. But yeah, I put this as a good sign. But again, it's so far away from right now that it's hard to read too much into it. All right, Mark, let's end with this really actually kind of a funny story. And we're going to have to like show this photo somehow to to our listeners. What What's the story? So this goes back to the Beijing Olympics uh, from earlier this year. And it's actually a Swiss snowboarder, but uh, he he made a bet with his wife. Um, this is a, guy, a Swiss snowboarder called uh, Jan Scherer. Uh, this was his third Olympics. He had yet to win a medal. And basically he said, um, if he was to win a medal in Beijing, um, which he hadn't managed to do in either of his previous two Olympics, he would have to get whatever tattoo she wanted him to get. And he was like, look, if I win a medal, any medal, any color, I'm not going to care, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you, you kind of trust your wife's not going to make you, you know, have like a, you know, a, a ridiculous thing on your face or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Unless they were kind of, you know, falling out in divorce proceedings. But, you know, it's all so far so good. So he wins bronze medal. And uh, nothing really happened for a while, but then she designed this tattoo and kind of gave it to him. And then um, he didn't say when it was when he was going to go and get it. But just in the last week, week or so, he's gone to get this tattoo. And I'll try and explain it here for people yeah. can't see the thing. It's basically like it looks like a kid's drawing, deliberately looks childish. And it's this guy with this sort of the very scrawly Olympic rings on his chest with like a dunce hat saying number three on it, I guess, for bronze. And the slogan at the top is good, but not the best. <laughs> that's, 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 you know, not a terrible motto. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, hey, good, but yeah. not the best. If that means you're an Olympic medalist, I, I'd say you're pretty great. But yeah, a great sense of humor, both for his wife and, and for, for Jan himself for, for actually going through with it. What, would you ever put yourself in a position like I, that? Well, I, I we, let's be honest. We're talking hypotheticals uh, for my next Olympic medal. <laughs> what if what if you were like the, the, the number one podcast on, on iTunes? Is that... <laughs> Depends who I was making the bet with, whether it was you, whether it was my wife. <laughs> I would like to say. Um, I can tell you I have no tattoos. I, I think, I, I, I don't know about you. I'm not going to make you prove it, hi. Uh, no, you don't have to it. prove it. I can yeah. just, just take my word for it. Let's move on to our interview with Feng Tao. Feng Tao, thanks so much for, for being here. It's great to see you again after so long. Um, I remember we were on a panel together first time I met you, I think, down in uh, down in Macau, probably about coming on for maybe seven, eight years ago, yeah. talking about the sports industry. And, and wow, it feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, but but I wanted to ask you, first of all, so you founded Shanghai Sports um, in 2009. And then really uh, a lot of the business uh, or a, a main strand of the business has been uh, helping to get Chinese fans to World Cups and European Championships. So talk about the history and how that's evolved and how that's grown since that first World Cup in, in South Africa, 2010, um, up, up, to, up to this year in Qatar. Yeah, the, uh, 2009, the, uh, yeah, actually, the, just uh, after the you know, Beijing Olympics finished in 2008. And the, uh, in terms of the sports industry in China, in my personal opinion, is 2008 is kind of a turning point of China's sports industry. Before the 2008, not so many Chinese people who understand the sports industry. And during the preparation of the game for Olympics from 2003 to 2008, is a kind of education process for the Chinese people. And I think that is a turning point. And it makes it more people who feel like, okay, the sporting events, they really can uh, create environment and the, uh, let the people who 
who enjoy the the games in the uh, yeah that kind of things the uh, is uh, uh, is is really make me to think about uh, why don't we create our own sports marketing company and try to bring the all the knowledge and know how what we having the over uh, in the past few years <clears throat> and then then we decide okay let's we create our own company uh, sports marketing so it's two thousand nine. And and then I started to think about uh, okay, so uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because uh, we want to fund the uh, we position our company as a kind of a bridge between China and the international world, and because the uh, the sports industry in the Western country is the much pretty well developed, uh, in China. It, it's uh it's, it's kind of from from the uh, from zero, uh, so the uh, we need to find out the what is the best project for us to introduce or the to bring your knowledge to to the market in China. Yeah, so the first project that we select uh, the FIFA World Cup 2010 South Africa, and then we sign an agreement with the FIFA uh, as the exclusive agent of a. Uh, Hospitality sales in China, uh, and then the uh, but we are the last one for 2010 as among all the agencies of FIFA to selling the hospitality package. <laughs> but the interesting thing is when we introduce the product into China, uh, when we talk to all the people, all the uh, consumers in China, nobody knows what that means. Uh, hospitality, <laughs> and yeah, basically this is my experience. So, so talk about talk about the numbers. Um, I remember you were, but I I, I want to get the the numbers right in terms of how many Chinese fans traveled to that. I mean, of course, China's only been in one World Cup two thousand and two, but they still take a great interest in the World Cup um, as passionate soccer fans. So, how many fans traveled to South Africa and then again to Brazil, Russia, you know, and and. Obviously, a very different situation, Qatar. But just take us through those those different tournaments. Okay, so based on the FIFA regulation and the rules, uh, so basically you could separate into two parts in terms of the uh, fans. Okay, one part is the normal fans, and the all the fans, all the uh, all the people who purchase the tickets, regular tickets from FIFA uh, website, and the another part is the hospitality. So the uh, for the regular fans, the uh, based on the FIFA regulations, every year, every every World Cup, probably Chinese people could purchase three thousand to four thousand tickets. Yeah, three thousand to four thousand tickets. Uh, this is the regular tickets. Uh, another part is the hospitality. The hospitality. So we worked together with the FIFA in two thousand ten and the. Uh, just uh, six months before the kickoff, we signed an agreement with them. So the uh, in 2010, we took around I, I can't remember the 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 correct number, but there's some probably six uh six hundred to seven hundred people. Yeah. Okay. And the, then the people uh, who purchased the, the hospitality. Yeah. And then onto Brazil, that that rose pretty dramatically, right? I was just reading actually that um for this next World Cup in Qatar, China Chinese fans have snapped up. Between five and seven thousand tickets. Yeah, the the, uh, the for the regular the tickets for the regular tickets, it's basically the FIFA control the the allocation. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the you know the uh, World Cup in Qatar, 
after her lay seeing in Asia, so naturally they think the in the Asia market, well, who are where were the biggest market? So they think that definitely is China, is China, yeah. So they increase the uh, uh, the number of allocation. For the Chinese market. Are you expecting, you know, five, six, seven thousand Chinese fans to travel, or are a lot of those tickets going to end up on the resale market? Because, of course, you know, it's still, you know, minimum of ten days quarantine on re-entry into China right now. It's sort of discouraged uh, a lot of people from traveling. Um, I, I have one American friend who's 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 been here a long time, but he's going to be out for three months, including a few weeks at the World Cup. So he'll kind of do it at the end of that trip. But um, you know, do you do you expect that number, though, several thousand Chinese fans, to be going to Qatar? Uh, personally, I doubt it. <laughs> 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 and the, uh, okay, so the uh, continues our the 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 uh, or conversation like from we started the hospitality two thousand ten, so probably six, we took the six hundred to seven hundred people uh, from and and then the two thousand twelve the European Championship, the Poland Ukraine, and two thousand fourteen Brazil World Cup. And then the numbers increased. So the uh, 2014 Brazil, uh, Brazil World Cup, yeah, several thousand uh, people who purchased the hospitality. And the uh, two, the, uh, the our last or the the, the biggest the, the achievement is the 2018 World Cup. 2018 World Cup, the, inter- the hospitality probably we took 15,000. Right. I mean, that's, 15, a, that's a lot of people going from China to Russia, yeah. um, you know, for these packages. And of course, you know, they're not they're not cheap, but, it, you know, it, it's 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 kind of all inclusive. Right. You've got the hospitality at the game. Does it include the, the do you also do the, the whole the travel and the hotels as well? Or, or they have to sort that out? The, the people could yeah, they, we provide the, the uh, variety different and yeah, different options. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So people even, uh, people could purchase the. Uh, only hospitality package, or people can okay help to find the hotels, accommodation, or transportation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a, I mean, the most immediate thing it says to me is that imagine when China gets into the World Cup again, um, and we don't know when that's going to be, but you know, imagine how crazy it's going to be in terms of Chinese fans traveling. Like this is hospitality. There would have been that additional five thousand Chinese for Russia buying the regular tickets through the website, presumably as well. Right, but they're they're going to watch even more, even even more even in, more. in Russia. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a joke. There's a joke in 2018. The uh, uh, among the Chinese community, yeah, uh, saying that the uh, 2018 World Cup in Moscow, except Chinese national teams, all Chinese component was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So everything, everything but those eleven players. Yeah. Um, so, so in Qatar for this year, I mean, have you been able to sell any hospitality, or is it basically just down to zero? Down to zero. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. The, we uh, because of the uh, zero COVID policy. Yeah. It's a difficult to make. Yeah, for and the people at, travel. And at what point, presumably this year, at what point did you just kind of look at each other and say, "Okay, guys, it's just not going to happen." Um, yeah, I think the people in the market who understand the situation, yeah, understand the situation now. Yeah, and the, uh, everybody, frankly speaking, or as the football fans, everybody want to look at the, the, the tournament. But the, uh, when they down to the thinking about the, the uh, travel and accommodation and the, when they back to from the tournament, have to get in, in through the quarantine process and then 
the people just to give up the idea. <laughs> I do want to look at sort of some of the more, you know, I don't know, hopeful stories. So you are going to be going to Qatar because you've also worked uh, with a number of Chinese. The other big story about China and the World Cup, of course, is the sponsors, the Chinese companies yeah. that you've yeah. brokered many of these deals. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of helping with the activation for yes. some of these companies in Qatar. So yes. let's start with that. And then maybe we'll talk about, you know, how Chinese fans back home maybe celebrating and consuming and watching the World Cup, uh, Cup from here in China, yeah. despite the, you know, the time difference challenges. But yeah, t- tell us about the sponsorship side. Yeah, when the people watching the World Cup, now they're starting from the a uh, few years ago, and then the, uh, uh, you can see some Chinese brand uh, showed into old LED around the pitch during the tournament. Yeah, yeah. that is the we come to the sports industry or sports marketing uh, conversation. Yeah. So the uh, I think in the the last twenty years, twenty or thirty years, the uh, um, the the Chinese companies when the they have a desire to go abroad, and domestic market probably is the, is uh, they think okay, it's a mature, and then they want to develop, and then they want to the uh, increase their brand awareness uh, internationally. And the, uh, then it's come to the uh, uh, come to the uh, question mark for all the big boss from the Chinese brand. W- what are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah, this uh, is the uh, this is the job I did in the last twenty years. Try to uh, try to the uh, convince the Chinese brand to do the big sponsorships uh, during the big tournament. I think that is the uh, most efficient way for Chinese brand to go abroad. Which are, which are some of the brands that you've worked with, or what would you say have you have been the biggest successes that you've that you've been a part of? Uh, yeah, the in terms of football, the, the World, FIFA World Cup, you know, the, basically there are four Chinese company: uh, Wanda, Hisense, uh, Mengnu, and uh, Vivo. Uh, there are four Chinese company. Uh, uh, we are working uh, the basically direct and the indirect uh, all of them, and the but in terms of the uh, details of working on the ground, it's the uh, two client, uh, two companies, Hisense and the Mengnu, we are working very closely with them. Correct me if I'm wrong, but but it sort of it splits. There's obviously you've got the electronics brands, and so over the years, as as we've seen sort of Chinese brands get involved in sports sponsorship internationally, particularly in soccer. Um, there are those brands who are trying to sell their products globally. You know, for example, Huawei, you know, has huge market share in, in certain countries and it's doing very well. Hisense, you know, televisions, I think, saw a huge boost after 2016 when they were in the Euros there. Um, but then you've also got the brands that are basically just advertising uh, back to their domestic audience. Yes. Uh, and it's sort of the credibility of being a World Cup sponsor. So I was watching the Premier League, English Premier League last w- weekend, and there was there were banners, digital advertising banners about Xiaohongshu, the, the the Chinese app, which is you know being compared to to Instagram. If people aren't familiar with that, and it was just in Chinese, and it was basically saying you know chat on our app during the World Cup. So that was the message. It's not you know it's not trying to push Xiaohongshu like globally um, to to local fans uh, around the world. So the, there are those kind of differences. Where does where does Mengnu, like the dairy provider, are they looking to make? inroads overseas um or is that more of the kind of that second group where it's 
kind of we get the cred for for advertising at the World Cup, but really we're just advertising to our domestic market. Uh, I think the first thing is the, for all the uh, brand, they have their own strategy. Yeah. They definitely have their own strategy. So different brand, they have the different strategies. Okay, for Meng Niu is the uh, they doing the uh, global sporting event. Uh, the benefit for them is the increasing their brand awareness internationally, and also the create a, create kind of the credibility for them uh, to introduce their brand to the, all their international partners. So the uh, it helps them to what I've seen the last few years is they it's the this can uh, this sponsorships with the FIFA and they help the Meng Niu to. To find more, sorry, to find more the international partners, uh, either they are going to acquire the uh, farm or land. Is the uh, yeah, this is a good, this is a, is a big uh, benefit for them. And another part is to come to the marketing, yeah, come to the marketing. And the uh, this is the back to their uh, their marketing, the the LED abroad showing during the tournament, the uh, through the CCTV broadcast, yeah. and then it definitely the help. Their brand to communicate with the Chinese brand, with yeah. the Chinese consumers. Sorry, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. So, yeah. so a lot of it is kind of B two B internationally. Really, that first yeah. part, you know, B2B, just like yeah. not, not. So they're not selling milk around the world, but it's it's no. it's helping them to to sign up more dairy farmers and and all that sort of stuff. That's uh, yeah. I mean, it's quite different, obviously, from from like Vivo who yeah. are trying to actively. Yeah, develop markets and cell phones overseas and so on. Yeah, that that is the in the last based on my twenty years experience. What I'm trying to to share my philosophy to all my friends in China is that when you communicate with international people, yeah. it's better to use better to use the, the their culture to integrate your philosophy, your ideas. It's a very simple, a very simple way. It's the um, when the all my friends, or the international people come to China, we help them to use chopsticks. But when I go abroad, I, I need to learn how to use pocket and the spoon. Yeah, that's it. It's very simple. That's a, that's a really interesting point, actually. And I, I wonder if you can sort of take us into some of those conversations you've had with some of your friends in China. Like, what, what are some of the, like, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that, that some of the clients might have about how to sell to a sort of a global um, clientele? Yeah, I know what I mean. <laughs> it's a very difficult job. It's a very difficult job. They, it took me the um, uh, probably the starting from the year two thousand. By that time, I worked for the Asian Football Confederation, and the old my boss said to me, "Hey, FTO, how can you?" But you know that by that time, the, the, a lot of uh, Japanese company, Korean company, uh, invest a lot into the international event. And then the, my friends from the from AFC asked me, say, "Hey, after when can you bring a Chinese brand into the international sporting event?" I said, "Okay, let me try." And then when I come back to China, come back to China, and they share this idea to to the to the Chinese brand, and then they said, "Nobody, nobody, nobody understand. Nobody want to do this. Nobody want to do this." And uh, so it took me probably fifteen years. It took me 15 years to share or my ideas. The but they uh, actually the uh, by the time I almost give up my lifetime, <laughs> <laughs> my desires, and then the hisense, <laughs> and then the hisense, the hisense, the the people from hisense, they uh, got opportunity and uh, it, actually I know them for many years. 
and then they 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 know I'm working in sports, but they don't know the what is the details of what I'm uh, what I'm doing, and then they they. And then they, I put, I put this opportunity to them, uh, uh, to to Heisen, and then they decide, okay, let's redo this. And because from 2000 to 2012, Heisen already developed their international strategies already. They have the factories in South Africa, and they, uh, they have a factories in Australia. Uh, they did a lot, and they tried, but the, the uh, so. So 2015, the one I I got really got opportunity uh, to present opportunity to them, and then they they decide, okay, let's we do this. But my personal experience is, if you're trying to if you're trying to sell this the uh, this kind of big international sporting events or sport uh, the opportunities for the big boss in China, the big brand in China. Uh, you need to be. You need to get the credibility from them. This is a top of priority. Well, whatever the what kind of product you sell to them, but the first thing is you be. You have to be the. Uh, you have to get the credibility. So you're talking about your personal credibility, your company's credibility, or like association with the Euros or the World Cup. Personal. Okay. Personal. Okay. Personal and the company. So it yeah. takes many, many years to many, kind of many develop years. these relationships, develop and relationships. persuade them yeah. to yeah. this is something they want to do. Yeah, yeah, this is the truth. <laughs> now, talking about long-term connections, I think the benefits, probably from your point of view, is that many of these deals are multi-year deals or multi-cycle deals. So you, if you're signing for like four World Cups, you know, we're talking 16 years there, right? So it's mm. you, you have that stability. However, and again, this is this is a kind of a I guess a tricky question, but you know that geopol- geopolitically over the last you know two to three years mm-hmm. it's been a struggle i think and mm-hmm. and you know you see these sentiment surveys about what people think of of you know china this kind of big bucket whatever china means um has that kind of hit the business in any of in any way in terms of perception of chinese brands um or, or consumers, you know, like they, they just want a nice phone that, that's, that's cost, you know, the right price point and, and as long as it works. Like, how much is this beginning to play into the stuff that you've done? Or, or perhaps it's mm. not. No. Yeah. So the, uh, I know the, the, this is a, uh, a very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've seen, the, uh, you know, just to come back from Europe, the, I travel in the last few months, I was in Europe and the travel lots of the different cities. And the well, my uh, feeling is so, and the uh, I think in the end, the people need the product. Yeah. Whatever you are, European or the American or the uh, South, you know, the African, everybody need have product. Everybody to want to buy the cheap, high quality product, which is an old Chinese brand can provide at the moment. Qatar specifically, tell us about your involvement. What you, what will you be doing? How long are you going to be on the ground there? What are the activations that you're doing, presumably at the fan zones and the yeah, you know yeah. fan facing uh, promotions on the ground in Qatar? Yeah, based on the uh, the contract signed between FIFA and the Hisense and the FIFA and the uh, and Meng Yu, and uh, they got a certain rights, so they are going to do some the promotion there and the activities, the role shows, and the, apart from the LED around the pitch, yeah. uh, they have a lot of things to do. Yeah, and they also have a showcasing uh, activities. So uh, my team, they help 
they help them to do the showcasing, the uh, a lot a lot of the underground job, yeah, and the even the uh, the uh, the global summit and the because they they hasn't achieved a lot in the last few years. They from developing the international market, so they are, they got the, the several hundred people distributors. They they invite them to 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 have a global summit. Yeah, they, apart from the Chinese market, because the, the travel policy, the difficult for Chinese distributor to go abroad. But in the, for the international, is in there's no any impact, and the, the, you can you can feel that the, the huge uh, demanding from. From uh, U.S. from from their 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 partner from U.S. from the states from uh, South America from Mexico Brazil and uh, South Africa Australia the Europe yeah the huge demand yeah that, I mean that's fantastic to hear it's just it's just so you know just so frustrating that that China or, or the vast majority of you know obviously you're going but uh, the vast majority of Chinese fans and and stakeholders. Just can't really be involved, <laughs> but um, you know, you know, um, as a Chinese soccer fan, Frontier, I know obviously China is not yet yeah. uh, back in the World Cup. So if you're looking for a team to support, I, I can strongly recommend England. Uh, but Haig might have some. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, if, if 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 you want to cheer for another country that has only had one appearance so far, that would be, of course, Canada. Great connection. I, I think this is a this is a team that we're uh... lobbying. We're lobbying <laughs> for our for our teams here. <laughs> um, yeah. I, before we kind of talk about the the, the sports industry in general here in mm-hmm. China and, and sort of the, the current state of play, I wanted to ask you one other deal. Um, you've obviously uh, are probably the most high profile deal from my perception. I would say for for Shanghai was was with Alibaba and the Olympics. Yeah. Um, just tell us about how that deal uh, came to be. No, the uh, Alibaba the, the the deal signed between the IOC and the uh, and the Alibaba in two thousand seventeen. Yeah. It, it took a few months to negotiation from them from both sides, and the, the basically the that that marriage that marriage is help or benefit both sides. It's help benefit both sides. But that you know the uh, the Alibaba as uh, as a technology company, and they really can provide a lot of the high technology for uh, for IOC for International Olympic Committee. And also at the same time, the uh, Alibaba e-commerce platform, which can really uh, approach huge amount of the consumers in China. So th- that to that scenario, that the I, th- I think the it's it's a it's a kind of the chemical uh, chemistry for uh, the create chemistry for both sides, and that they love to ma- marry to each other. You, you talk about a marriage. Tell us what it's like to play matchmaker between Jack Ma and Thomas Bach. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think the uh, yeah, I, I, I've been in a few meetings, but the uh, not not all the meetings. And the I think the 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 they love each other. Okay. Yeah, and they, they have a kind of a same philosophy by that time. Yeah, love at so, first sight sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's fantastic, fun to to hear you talk about all the things that you've been involved in, and 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 you know, still involved actively today. I know it's been an incredibly challenging past few years for everyone in the sports industry. And it sounds like you've sort of been able to at least keep parts of the business active and, and, and happening. And, and, uh, you know, but, but let's talk a little bit more about that. How, how much have you had to perhaps pivot to other things? Um, and what have you seen in the sports industry, um, as people have sort of adapted to China's ongoing COVID zero policy and, and what, What's that going to mean going forward as well? 
Uh, okay, the uh, yeah, I really think about this this topic and these ideas in the last few years. But what I think I I, I prefer to put this into positive way. Yeah. Uh, and the person I've been involved, I personally I'm a sports fan and the, I play a, a lot of uh, different sports. But for the um, my friends and the uh, the lots of Chinese in the uh, they are not really participating into sports. Yeah, and the uh, but the starting the uh, from uh, when the COVID happened, what the positive things that w- what I've seen is the people understand when something happened, you have to f- focus to build up your body your, by yourself. This is what I found out, and then you can see the more people are. Uh, Running into this, running on the street. Interesting thing is, I think 20, 25 years ago, that I forgot the, the, which year. The first time when I was in, in New York or in Europe, I saw the people running on the street. But I said, I think, oh, those stupid guys, why they are running on the street? <laughs> why they are running on the street? And, and now I understand. Now I understand, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, we saw that with the uh, the push for the winter sports in China and the run up to the Winter Olympics uh, earlier earlier this year. You know, and I remember last year going to the Winter Sports Expo over at Shogang Park and just seeing all of the Chinese brands, these new Chinese brands, making things like you know, the, like skis and helmets and things like that that. You, I don't think was was made in China until until very recently. Have you been to that expo? And and what were your impressions uh, when you since you've been going to that expo over the years? Back to 2014, when talking about the the sports industry in China, so everybody knows 2014, the uh, Chinese government issued the uh, policy to encourage uh, people to involve into sports, and then they have a different policy, which is the helping. Uh, investors or the local government to focus into sports and then starting from that time and on top of that and then the 2015 the China bid for the Winter Olympics uh, and then we call the in, in our area we call this as the outdoor sports outdoor sports or the mountain sports and then the, the people the, the people on the ground the, the suddenly find out the different the sports in the end is a kind of a lifestyle. It's this, a kind of a lifestyle. It's, it really depends on what kind of lifestyle you want to be, and the uh, and then the uh, I think the, the after twenty or thirty years it de- uh, developed in China. So uh, from 1990, 1980 or to the two thousand ten, uh, in China I think there are the big middle class communities uh, which they have their good life and the um they, they they need they need to find out something for their brain and then the sports is a perfect match or need for themselves yeah and the so i i don't have the the official numbers but the all the people working in the industry talking about there probably there are 300 million middle class people and now they are ready to participate into different sports. So when you talk to the commercial or the business from the business wise, 300 million potential consumer 
Yes, it could be number. It's it's a one European market, and also it's almost a one entire the U.S. market. So that's why the people start to involve. If at the at the uh, at the whatever the professional or the amateurs, so when you when you stand on the on the pitch or the, when you go to the mountain, you need to buy the equipment. So this is the first um, need for people. So that's why the 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 then you you can see the the, the different brands or whatever the Chinese brand or international brand the everybody is looking for the Chinese market and the we we just focusing on the sports industry so the people need to have equipment people need to have a ground to play that's it that's as simple as that so it's it's really interesting what you're saying there about sort of this this um, growth in in domestic sports activity and that's that's certainly been one of the big waves that we've seen you know after. 2014, there was the big soccer push. There was the winter sports, of course, after 2015 when China got, you know, but when Beijing got the, the 2022 Olympics. And then this sort of mass participation wave of, of running and cycling and swimming. And, and I think that has expanded, as, you, as you've rightly pointed out, through the pandemic into, into gyms and fitness. And, and we're seeing the explosion of, of kind of some of these niche sports, you know, Ultimate Frisbee, we did a show on that as well. And, and um, you know, people talking about some of these smaller things, surfing in Hainan, you know, has taken off. And I think because people haven't been able to travel, they've looked inwardly, they've looked within China's boundaries to, 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 to go skiing instead of going to the Alps or going to, to North America. Um, your business, of course, historically has been, as you said, being a bridge between China and the, and the West or China and the international market. So have you also had to, to pivot things in, in terms of look more domestically over the past few years? Yes, yes, definitely. In what yeah. ways? Yeah, we already the uh, we have team to start to, uh, doing the re- different uh, the, doing this research and you see whatever is the mountain sports or the water sports or the indoor sports or outdoor sports. So we are the uh, we're working on that. We're working on that. So the uh, basically you know the uh, I, I truly yeah, I'm very confident in the next few years uh, the how. The people in uh, people working in sports industry, they how those group of people could could provide um, best product into the market. This is what I'm thinking now. Yeah, because now the 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 um, and the domestically, I think the uh, probably the China market now is similar like the uh, the marketing in europe or or states back in 1950 or 1960s yeah that that's what i've seen so there is a huge uh growth or the huge potential sorry huge potential in the next few years yeah i guess i have two final questions if you're speaking to people in the sports industry internationally um and they're looking at china and think well i can't travel there right now i don't know when i'm next going to be able to travel uh, but they're hearing about this, you know, this 300 million consumer market, you know, this massive growing middle class. What's the best way for them to to try to stay involved um, with with sort of long term intentions, even though short term they don't really know how they can be more actively involved? Um, and, and what would you say to them as they perhaps look at other markets and think, you know, we need to pivot away from China because we just don't know what's going on there right now? My suggestion is the... Uh just to come to China and uh, stay here. All right. So, yeah, so just they, do one, do one quarantine and suck it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, okay. The uh, I think the China definitely. Uh, uh, we don't know where, uh, when international people could travel to China the, uh, without quarantine policies. I don't know what, what when is going to happen. But but 
300 million potential consumers there. I think for all the international people, they have to think about this. Mm -hmm. They have to think about this. Yeah. And the, uh, and also that, that's why I said, I suggest just to come to China, maybe not next year or, but you have to plan ahead. You have to plan ahead. And also the, what, what I think the, uh, the, uh, in the, in the last two decades, some in some people, some international people, which can success in China hugely because they know how to adapt into the market. But some companies, internal companies, they just come and go, come and go. It doesn't work. It shows it doesn't work. Yeah, it's really a two-way thing. As as you we talked about before, Chinese companies having to adapt overseas. You know, the the reverse is also true. And yeah. and I guess my final question, and and perhaps you've already answered this, but you know, <laughs> what, what what are you most optimistic about? You know, let's try to finish on a on a on an upbeat note. You know, what are you most optimistic about the 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 future of the sports industry, despite the challenges that 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 everyone has had over the last few years? I think the the I uh, put it into three sixty zero degrees. Everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I mean, that's certainly that's certainly encouraging news, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank yeah. you for your, for your thoughts. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Thank you to Feng Tao. The China Sports Insider podcast is host Mark Dreyer. He is the China Sports Insider. Check out his book on Amazon. It's called Sporting Superpower, China's Quest to Be the Best. My name is Haig Balian. Thank you for listening. 